Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Uh, if you're brand new, uh, we're in a series titled, This Is Our God, This Is Our God. Uh, if you are new to what this series heart is, is we're actually going Genesis to Revelation. 66 books, remember 40 authors, and it's a story about the greatness of God and his love for, God's, for his people, you and I, and him trying to get to us and get us to heaven. Jesus came and dwelt among us so we could go dwell in heaven. Ooh, is that a good thing? Yeah. So every book points not to principles, but points to a person, his name's Jesus. So I thought we should just go through Genesis, then Exodus, skip Leviticus, because it's just lost, and we'll go maybe do uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy, now we're in Joshua. The book of Joshua, ooh, it's gonna be a good one today. Uh, Joshua's my favorite books in all the Bible. It's 24 chapters, and it is a book on leadership, but also a book on action. Everybody say action. action. There's something about action. Uh, hey, is prayer amazing? Yes. Yeah. Is hope amazing? Yes. Is love amazing? Yes. Is the word of God amazing? Yes. Do you see where I'm going with this? Okay, good. Okay. But if you pray and it doesn't move you to action, right. something's missing. If you're hoping, but it's not moving you to action, something's missing. If you got faith, but it doesn't move you to action, something's missing. The Bible says it this way in James uh, 2, 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Woo! I mean, I, when you read that verse, like, hold on, what's he trying to say here? Here's what he's trying to say. Joshua doesn't hope for the walls of Jericho to fall down. God calls him to walk around the walls of Jericho. There's just, again, there's four parts of the book of Joshua, the calling uh, of Joshua, and then there's the crossing over, then there's the conquering, and then there's the claiming. Action, 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 and more action. Hey, you can hope to have a good marriage, but you sign up for the marriage retreat? Just keeping a rail. You can hope for friendships, but are you in a small group? There's just something about taking that hope and actually putting it into action. The Bible's very clear that where you plant your life is where you're actually going to reap the fruit of it. So J Joshua didn't sit there at the walls of Jericho and be like, oh my gosh, please let them fall down. I hope they fall down. I hope they fall down. No, God said, hey, I need you to walk around. Keep walking. There's just something about Christians that are willing to move for Jesus. Um, I love this. Uh, not only is it a book, actually, but it's a simple book. Joshua is a very simple book. I want to read you uh, one of the most famous verses out of it, Joshua 24, 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Ooh, a lot of, oh, a lot of theologians in the room. Come on, you got scripture memorized. Very simply say, hey, two doors. Either you live for God or you can live with if, if God doesn't seem desirable for you, then just be real with yourself. I want to go serve the world. I want to go live for lowercase gods. That's what I just, just at least make a decision. Yeah. I think sometimes we complicate the gospel. It's very simple. Can I share a story and double down on it? So uh, a grandpa took his grandson out camping after he graduated with his master's from an Ivy League school. Very smart uh, son. And, uh, and so basically he took him camping. They set up their tent. And then in the middle of the night, the grandpa woke him up Again, the tent had been set up, woke him up at 2 a.m. and said, grandson, do you see what I see? And the grandson, being a really smart guy, looks at the sky and says, well, if you mean astronomically, grandfather, then yes. Of course, the, what I see is I see millions and billions of stars, so it means astronomically there's millions and billions of galaxies. 
If you're meaning meteorologically, meteorologi oh, I can't even say the word, meteorologically, meteorologically, I didn't, I didn't graduate from Ivy League, meteorologically, I can't say it, I can't say it. Let me see if I can read it. Meteorologically, I can't say it, you get it. It means that it's gonna be a really beautiful day, Grandpa, okay? Now, if you mean theologically, it means that God is a big God who created a huge universe. And then he goes, what do you think, Grandpa? Grandpa looks at his grandson and goes, I think somebody stole our tent. <laughs> you wake up in the middle of the night, the tent's gone, and Ivy League uh, complicated guy's like, hold on, what you trying to ask me right now? What, what does this question mean? Very simple, our tent got stolen. And if I could just submit this to you, a lot of believers go like this, God, what do you have for my life? Oh, relationally, theologically, what do you have for me? And God's go, love God, love people. I know, I know, but what do you have for me? One thing, the Great Commission, go make disciples. I know, I know, but what do you have for me? Serve me and serve people. I know, I know, I know, I know, but what does that mean? Serve me and serve people. I know, but break it down in the Greek. <laughs> Same. Break it down meteorologically. If I can say the word, serve God and serve people. And if I could just... I'm gonna preach a simple message today. This will be my shortest message of, of the year. We had baptisms and you're like, oh, no, I'm real. This is real this time. You've been coming lately. I've been preaching like 55 minutes. Holy Spirit's been really long-winded lately, okay? Not my fault. You live by the Spirit. But today, it's gonna be a very simple message and I wanna simplify some things for some of you in the house. Some of you who have been one foot in, one foot out. Some of you have been on the sidelines and saying, I really just don't know my next step. The book of Joshua makes it very clear what your next step is. Are you ready to take the next step? Tama message today is the God who called me. The God who called me. Can I just tell you real quick, you are not built for a career. You're not built for just a relationship. You are built for a calling. You are made on purpose for a purpose. Calling is literally what's inside you. Like, I know I was built for something more. And what it is, is a calling. And the way you find your calling is that you hang out the one that called you. You start to serve the one that called you, and as you serve him, he will open your eyes to the unique grace of how he knitted you and how you're supposed to build up the believers of church and build up the house of God. You start doing that with your life, just watch what happens. Yeah. Will you bow your heads? I'm going to pray. God, I thank you that you're a big God, that you're bigger than me not being able to pronounce a word. I thought I could. I can't. But Lord, I, I do. I pray right now that my words would fall to the floor, your words are sore. Oh, you're a good God. Oh, you're a good God. God, we celebrate today. Again, I just, I just can't get over uh, being able to be a part of a church, seeing 28 people say, man, I want to make a public declaration of who my God is. God, your church is alive and well. When people say the church is dying, I'm saying, we haven't been to Mission Church in a while because, God, your church is alive and it's moving. Oh, we thank you that you're the one that brings life into it. We're thankful that you're the one that builds it. We love you. We love you. And everybody said? Amen. Let's look at all four points. It's going to be quick. It's going to be good. Are you ready? First thing that happens in Joshua's life and again, the, the book of Joshua is broken in four parts, calling, uh, crossing over, conquering, and claiming. So all action things. So the first one is Joshua is called. Now, uh, if you have a Bible, it's Joshua 1.1. 1, 1. We're going to start there. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, not son of a nun. Okay, somebody like, oh, Joshua is the son of a nun. No, Nun. Okay, uh, son of Nun, uh, Moses' aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready. Everybody say get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Come on. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. 
to the Israelites. Here's Joshua getting his calling and his commission. Hey, I need you to get people ready because I want them to cross over. What this crossover picture is, just so you know, is the Israelites are now going to cross over into the promised land of Canaan. They've got to cross a river, and it's, it's wide. It's not the time where it's a small river. It's a time where the river is the biggest and the deepest it will be, and God wants them to get to the other side. The other side of this river does not represent heaven, because the reality is you don't need a battle to get to heaven, but you need a battle for your promise. The, the land represents your inheritance of a spiritual believer. If you read anything in the New Testament, you'll see this rhythm of you being adopted as a son and daughter of the living God. He is king. You become a prince and a princess. Come on now. Who loves a good Disney movie? Anybody? Come on. The reason why those movies pull our heart courts is our, literally our spiritual inheritance. It is the thing that we desire most is to actually know that we were built to have more than just what the world offers. And it's the kingdom of God. And so the, the spiritual inheritance is infinite joy, infinite peace. It's, it's, it's unity. It's a great relationship. Uh, John 10, 10 says the best, a life of abundance. Yeah. Come on, who wants some abundance? I mean, way too many believers living out of lack. You want to know why? Because on this side of the river is lack. But on that side of the river is abundance. Yep. You ready to cross over today? Get ready, get ready, get ready. So um, first thing it is, he, he, uh, he has them uh, start, uh, start their um, aim and start their crossing over. You ever um, be in school and ever have to do a, a group project? Anybody? I hated them. Anybody else hate group projects? Yeah, you wanna know why? Because you got the freeloaders in the group. But then uh, worse than the freeloaders is you got the controllers in the group. And then in the middle of the group, you got me. Let's just get the assignment done, okay? I'm not, I, I don't really care about this assignment that much. I just wanna go play, all right? This is how I was. And the reality is, is that I'll never forget one time, uh, I was put in charge of the group and it was a simple assignment, but I wasn't paying attention. And the teacher told us, hey, here's what you need to do. It's Christopher Columbus. I need you to give us a report on Christopher Columbus and make like a little statue on Christopher Columbus. I did not hear anything about Christopher Columbus. I heard something completely different. And I told everybody, we're supposed to tell everybody about why America's so great. And so, I get our group and I have us make an American uh, map and then we come up and present America is great. And my teacher is looking at me going, what, what is going on? And not only that, I wasn't first in class. I'm like fifth grade, but this isn't like a senior year in high school, okay? I was fifth grade and I was like the third group to go and I was like, why is everybody talking about Christopher Columbus right now? I'm supposed to be talking about America, the greatness of America. I pledge allegiance to the flag of America, you know? Let's go in America, you know? Um, I get up and my teacher at the very end goes, that's a great presentation on America, but I asked you to present on Christopher Columbus. I was like, oh, that's what, oh. She goes, did you not listen? No, I didn't listen. I wasn't paying attention. And, and if, I could just, if I could just rewind this real quick, is God gives uh, Joshua a very clear assignment. I want you to get people to the other side. That's it. That's it, I just give them the other side. And if I could just submit this to you, I think a lot of believers in the house, you just didn't hear the assignment very well. As, as God gave the, the assignment out, somebody like, God, I, I, I went to a small group. I even went to church. I, I prayed a little bit and I did this. That's good, but the assignment on your life is to actually go make disciples. Moses' official title on his tombstone says it right here in, in, in Joshua when you see it. We just draw, read by, but after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. And what does Joshua end this with? Hey, make a decision today. You're going to serve God or you're going to serve the world. Moses made a decision, and his life was marked by serving the Lord. We were, we were um, uh, in team prayer on Tuesday, and if I could just double down on this thought real quick about assignment. Uh, we have a different staff member teach each Tuesday now on just a thought of God, a big thought that we should understand and move on from. And, 
And Shane was teaching this uh, Tuesday and pre preached us an amazing message. Uh, if you like short messages, our, team our Tuesday teachings are about seven minutes long. And so it was a seven minute, just jam packed thing. And Shane was talking about how funny he was. Okay. And if you know Shane Russell, he's hilarious. On our staff, we've actually dubbed him the president of the funny club. Okay. Um, it's true. It's true. Come on now. And so um, Shane, if you're around him, he just knows how to just set a joke and you just start laughing, you know? And um, uh, he goes, I, I, I love that everybody thinks I'm hilarious and good looking. I'm like, what is going on right now, Shane? He's like complimenting himself for the first five minutes of his message. And he goes, but I don't want to be remembered for that. He goes, when I, and then he got really profound. He goes, when I die, and he read Ephesians 4 about, we're all given gifts to build up the body of Christ. He goes, when I die, I want people to say of Shane Russell that he be, built people up with just one word. And I started crying on the front row. <laughs> You're the president of the genius club now too, Shane. Not only are you funny, but I was, just sitting, I was like, what is my life? And this was, I was just starting to work on my mess. Like, at the end of my life, what are people going to say about me? Because Moses had died. And God said, I want to say something about my servant that just died. He was a servant of the Lord. And the reality is all of us will die one day. And Joshua is trying to talk to you before the tombstone moment and saying, what are you going to be alive for? Do not miss your assignment. You will never be fulfilled unless you start serving God. You will never change the world unless you start serving people. You will never change your marriage unless you start serving your marriage. There's just something about serving, changing things. We know this in Mark 10. I could teach that, but we're going to teach that some other time. Let's keep going. Are you tracking with me today, church? Okay, let's keep going. Um, so um, he goes on to say, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will be extended from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river of the Euphrates, uh, all the Hittite country, from the Mediterranean to the sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Woo! Can I read you real quick? I will give you every place where you set your foot. Action. When you start to walk in what I've asked you to walk in, I will give you your inheritance. Not as you stand there and look at people and judge and are complacent, but as you start to walk by faith, the things I asked you to do. There's something about faith that just creates action. Can I share my tithing story with you? And I'm not talking about finances today. If you're brand new and like for baptism, like the one time you brought your friend, we never talk about finances. But I'm gonna talk about my financial story. I'm a, I'm a freshman in college and I uh, had not learned the principle of tithing and my mentor told me, hey Tyler, uh, are, you, are, you, are you giving yet? Are you a generous person? And I said, nah man, I make $1,000 a month, I'm paying for school, I don't have money to uh, tithe or give to the Lord. And so I wasn't really serving at church, I was just attending. And he told me, he goes, Tyler, if you wait to give out an abundance, because I said, I need abundance first, you'll never give, because you'll never have enough. The mindset of abundance does not move people. The mindset of faith moves people. And I remember going, hold on a second. And I started looking at my life. I said, it, I'm going to start sowing now by faith and believe that if I actually trust God with this much, that he will actually bless the, the rest of it. And, and if I'm being honest, the, the money part was like this big, put that to the side. Here's what happened in my life. I always said, I'm going to serve when I have enough time in my schedule. I'm going to start living for God when my schedule allows me to. And the reality is the mindset of abundance of when I have an abundant time is when I live for God. Guess what happens? You never move. Wow. And this, this, this little illustration of what uh, God's saying to, to Joshua is, hey, I need faith to move you. Not abundance, not convenience, not your friendships. I need faith to start getting these feet, to start walking where you walk. And here's what I promise. If you start walking, I'll start producing. Right. You start serving, I'll start filling your cup. Yeah. 
You start actually doing the things I called you to do, obeying, I'll start providing the favor, the wisdom, all the things that I promised to give you, I'll give them to you, but faith's gotta start moving you. You want provision, better start giving. You want friendships, you better start planting into friendships. Start moving these feet and see what happens to the land of your life. Right now, maybe your life feels this big. Start moving a little bit, a little bit more and see what happens to your life. There's just something about a believer that moves. There's something about a believer that understands that their calling is not for them to sit, but their calling is for them to walk. Can I get an amen for that? I'm almost done. Be strong and courageous. Turn your neighbor and say, be strong. Turn and say, be courageous. Isn't that fun talking to your neighbor during church? It's just, it's just fun. Because why? Because you will lead these people. Your calling's not about you. It's you'll lead these people. You're going to get called not just for yourself because God's going to call you to lead people. Uh, the land I swore to the ancestors, I gave to them. Woo! He goes on to finish with this. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it right or left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on day and night so that you'll be careful to do everything written. Everybody say do. do. You don't read the word to read the word. You read the word to obey the word. So you can do it, and then you will be prosperous and successful. Who you hang out with will affect your life. Who is a, they say, they say, say the, t- the top five people who are in your life are actually your, some average of those five people. Uh, Rachel and I um, moved to our first duplex, and I'll, I'll never forget this. Um, I got exposed for being not a uh, handyman in our marriage. It was the most exposing moment of our marriage where... Uh, Rachel realized she married a good dude, but not a handy dude. <laughs> a godly man, but not a handyman. And um, we're in uh, we're in the um, kitchen, and Rachel's like, "The stove, the stove's broke." And I was like, "Oh, well, let me let me check this out. Let me check this out." I open it up, put my head in there. Yep, it's broke. Yep, that thing. Flip some knobs. Nope, it's broke. You know, try to act like I was doing stuff. Like, oh, let me check out. Yep, still broke, Rachel, still broke. So then I call our landlord, and uh, he's unbelievably handy. He doesn't have a guy who works for him, owns like eight properties, but loves just working on houses. And he came over, and this is right when we first, first place we never had was an apartment. Came over, and I said, yeah, the stove's broke. I checked it out, Dan. Checked out the stove. It's not working. Looked inside. Think we need a new one. Dan goes, did you flip the breaker? Flip the what? I never had a breaker. I lived in an apartment. You, where's the breaker? He's like, oh, come follow me, Tyler. It's in the garage. Come, I walk to the garage. He shows me the breaker, and he goes, click, clack. And my wife's in time. I'm like, damn, we got to stay out here a little bit longer. Because my wife knows I could have click, clack this and fixed it. I'm going to feel like a fool. So, Dan, where'd you grow up? Dan, have I ever told you my testimony? Did you know I'm a pastor? I need about 30 more minutes, Dan. All right, Rachel, it was tough, but we fixed this in the oven. I mean, I, you know. And Rachel, of course, she knows. We flipped the breaker. And I just, I just felt, oh, just so inept. So inept. And, and so every time Dan would come over, I would just walk around with him. You know, we had a, we had a water thing, and so we had to turn the water off. And, and so instead of me just sitting in the house and waiting for him to fix it, I'd be like, oh, you're going, where are you going, Dan? So I'm going to turn the water off. I know. I just want to walk around with you. I know, I know where the water thing is. I didn't know. I know I could turn the water off to the whole house outside. I know that. I watched Dan turn the water off. I'm like, I can turn the whole house off with this little knob? Each house has one of these? 
And so for four years in this duplex, I'd call Dan over and I'd just walk around Dan and watch Dan, learn from Dan, ask Dan questions. What's that, Dan? It's called a hammer. Okay, hammer, hammer. What's that? It's called a screwdriver. Okay, screwdriver. It's called tools. Okay, okay. So we move into our house. We're remodeling our house. Water starts leaking. And right away I go, I got it! We'll be outside, everybody. And I just thought Dan would be so proud of me. He wasn't with me. I was like, if Dan could see me now, I pull up the water thing, I turn the whole water off in the house, and I remember walking in and somebody was helping us remodel, like, hold on, did you just turn the whole water in the house? Oh yeah, you didn't know that? Let me show you, it's right here. Right here. Hey, take it. I'll take you under my wing, little guy. Come here, hey, right here. You just turn this knob, the whole house, water gone. Water gone, and now water back. It's almost like you're the god of the house, almost, you know? And so, if I could just submit this to you real quick. On your walk as a believer, you're gonna have really inept moments. Don't be discouraged. Yeah. Just hang out with the right person. Yeah. And in four years, you're gonna get in a moment where maybe in, the, in your season, you're gonna just feel your marriage is so like, oh, what have I done? I don't know how to fix it. And you're gonna bring somebody into it and they're gonna show you just one little thing. You're like, oh, how did I not know that? How did I not know that just serving my spouse? How did I not know that me just hoping my wife would change would not fix everything? I just hope my wife or my spouse or my, my husband, I just hope they would just change. And then you get around somebody who goes, serve them for one month and see what happens to your house. Meet their needs for one month and see what happens to your marriage. You start to hang out with somebody like that, you're gonna become a world changer. And Joshua hung out with Moses and watched Moses. It always talks, one of the things that marks Joshua's life and why he knew his calling, he knew how to operate in his calling is because Joshua always hung out at the tent a little bit longer than everybody else. He just watched people operate. He didn't get to walk up to the mountain like Moses did, but he could watch. He didn't get to uh, do all the things that Moses did, but he got to watch. And then when it was his moment, he was ready to act. Man, get around people that know how to live for God, and then you'll know how to live for God. Can I get an amen for that? Let's keep going. So you got the calling. Now the crossing over. So, so the crossing over is interesting. So the first six chapters is the calling, and it goes to the crossing over. The crossing over, again, represents you going from lack to abundance. You're a believer, but you still got your junk with you. You're a believer and you still don't have the abundance of heaven yet. And God is inviting you to cross over and you need people to help you cross over. Israel does not have this happen without Joshua. Of course, Jesus is a better Joshua. This whole picture, you need Jesus to be able to cross over. Can I get amen for that? So I wanna answer three questions about the crossover. Why do you need to cross over? Well, the Israelites had three diets in the Old Testament. The first diet was the diet of bondage, was in Egypt. It was leeks, garlics, and onions. That is just bondage food. You eat that, you smell, you stink. Can we agree with that? Somebody eats garlic, leeks, and onions, you're like, dang, you ate garlic, leeks, and onions. When people eat the bondage food, you can smell it on them, you can see it on them. Now, if I'm just being honest, I always find it fascinating that in Numbers, when they find the promised land, one of the big things they talk about right away is, so was it everything was promised? And the first thing they say is like, ooh, milk and honey, grapes, figs, oh, the grapes are so big. They talk about food. Food is the mark of the promised land. All my foodies said amen. amen. They didn't talk about the lake. They didn't say, oh, you should see the waterfront property. You know, they're like, man, there's an Applebee's, there's an Olive Garden. Come on, now, who loves some Olive Garden? Endless breadsticks? Just me? You have never done the breadstick right. Hollow the breadstick out. Put some uh, Alfredo sauce inside. Take a bite of the Alfredo stick with the, uh, uh, with the, with the breadstick. Woo! Game changer. That's what I, I literally do that every time I go to um, Olive Garden. I take my breadstick. This is just for anybody who's a foodie. Go to Olive Garden, take your breadstick, break it in half, push all the bread down, and then scoop the Alfredo sauce, and then take a bite. It's like a jelly-filled donut, but it's an Alfredo-filled breadstick. 
Is it everything we believed? Oh, Alfredo sauce for days, everybody. So it describes all of these this amazing foods. It, it's describing a diet, aka a diet's everything to a believer. Whatever you ingest, you're going to have come out. And so the first thing that we know in Egypt is that the diet is just bondage diet. And I can see bondage diet on people all the time. Dieting on CNN and Fox News, dieting on complaining conversations, and just dieting on doubt and just despair. And so when you talk to them, all they talk about is despair and what's going wrong with the world. But you talk to somebody who's been in the promised land, in this season where everybody else is lacking, they're talking about all the provision that God's been doing. Oh, can I tell you this story? Can I tell you? Oh, can I tell you this? There's just something about the promised land. It's the, the things that you ingest, infinite joy. I love what C.S. Lewis, this is how C.S. Lewis describes the promised land and the crossing over. It would seem that our Lord, our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition with infinite joys offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Some of you, if I'm being honest, the reason why you haven't crossed over is you actually have come to the conclusion, I kind of like garlic and onions. I like leeks. Well, the Bible says, taste and see the Lord is good. You just have never had the promised land food yet. You only like this because you've never had this yet. So this is why you need to cross over. Now, now how do you cross over? I love what it says in Joshua 3, 5. Here's how you cross over. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. When was the last time you used the word consecrate? What you up to today? Just consecrating. Straight consecrating yourself, consecrating. All I do is consecrate. No, no, we don't do that. Okay, no, we don't use that language anymore. And so for you to be able to know how to cross over, you need to know what it means to cross over. He's saying this, consecrate yourselves today, for tomorrow you're going to cross over. So your today affects your tomorrow. Here, here's what he means by this. Live an uncommon preparation life and reap an uncommon type of life. Um, another word for consecration is live holy today, because you're about to do hold something holy tomorrow. The Bible says be holy because he is holy. Uh, how do I? I'll use a very simple illustration to really break. I think a lot of you understand holiness more than you think. I think more, more of you understand consecration more than you think. Um, if I was at your house and I had your toothbrush and I was cleaning your toilet with it, would you say anything to me? My wife said yes, thank you. We have one person that is not a weirdo or a sicko. The rest of you would be like, thank you? Because your toothbrush has been consecrated for your teeth. Nothing more, nothing less. This toothbrush belongs to the teeth, nothing else. Do you know the moment in Joshua 5, I wish I had time, but I only preached 35 minutes today. In Joshua 5, uh, he encounters the living God. And I'll, I'll, actually, no, I'm going to read it to you. I just love the scripture too much. I can't skip it. Can I read it to you? I don't care. We're going 40 minutes today. Here we go. Now, when Joshua was near, the Holy Spirit is long-winded again. Okay. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. You need to understand holiness. I got to double down on this. Okay. He went up to him and asked him, are you for us or for our enemies? So Joshua's about to go walk the wall to Jericho. And Jericho, the walls, you got to understand, they were so tall and so thick, they had chariot races around them. This wasn't some fence that you were trying to knock down. It had to be only God that could knock it down. Yeah. You think you're the first believer that has some walls in front of you that need to be knocked down that only God can knock down? This is what our God does. Buckle up, start moving, and watch them uh, knock walls down. Amen. But the reality is he shows up, and Joshua's walking around by himself because I guarantee you he's trying to pray himself some faith. Okay, God, we have no weapons, really. I mean, a bunch of... Bunch of 
farmers, and we're going to go against a fortified army. So he's walking around, he's got a sword, and he sees God there, and he asks him, it's, of course, a Christ, uh, Christophany where God, uh, Jesus shows up in the Old Testament, the I am, the great I am. Instead of a burning bush this time, it is literally the angel Lord with a drawn sword. I mean, just a powerful picture. And he asks him, are you for us or are you for our enemies? And really, if I could ask, if I could make it a relevant uh, statement, it'd be almost today like if Joshua saw Jesus today, he'd be like, are you for the elephant? Or are you for the donkey? And then Jesus would say, neither. I'm for the lion and the lamb. And there's just something about Jesus' answer. He goes, I'm for neither. And then Joshua right away recognizes, holy cow, I'm in front of the living God. He bows down and he worships him. And he goes, but as the command of the Lord army, I've now come. Then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And before he can even start with him, he says this. The command of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. Now I'm asking myself, what, why take your sandals off? Why did Moses have to take his sandals off? Here's why. Those are common sandals. Do you know the opposite of holiness is not sinfulness? The opposite of holiness is common. And so he says, those sandals are built for walking anywhere. I need you to take them off because you're walking into something you never walked into before. And one of the things that is going to take you to cross over, just like the question Shane asked on Tuesday, why am I alive and what is my life going to be for? Here's another question you should ask yourself more, is what do I need to cut out of my life so I can cross over? And what he's saying, for you to cross over, get rid of the common things. Get those common shoes off, I'm going to put something new on you. Get that common mindset off. Look at a common question. Are you for me or are you for them? Neither. I'm for heaven. What a common question to ask. Are you, God, are you for the Republicans or the Democrats, God? Is this person your man or is that person your man? God's like, oh my goodness, what a common, worldly, pol political question. I don't think politically. I think kingdom. We come with all these common questions and common game plans. God goes, you've got to get rid of all the common stuff and you've got to come with some holy stuff. God, I want my life to be different. I want my life to be separated from this world. I want to cross over, Lord. So, so when you start to realize that you are actually, why God gets so mad at sin is because he sees you as the toothbrush and the world using you to clean toilets. For your life to be in the waste. And the Lord goes, I did not create their life to just do common things in this world. I created their life to do separate things that are holy and of God and they are set apart. So I get very frustrated when the world uses them that way and they decide to be okay with it. God is not okay with his sons and daughters being used for common use of sin and sex and idolatry. That's common things in the world. You are used to, you are built and designed to worship and to love people and love God. Can I double down on this real quick? I'm gonna double down a lot today. Can I triple down? Ooh, I've never done that before. Let's see what happens. All right, so what, happens? so what happens when you cross over? What happens when you decide, I, I'm done. I'm done thinking like common life. I'm done uh, being driven by political things. I'm going to be driven by kingdom things. I'm done having my schedule be a common schedule. I'm now going to have a sacred schedule. I'm done having common speech. I'm going to have sacred speech. I'm done having common relationships. I'm going to have sacred relationships. I'm going to have holy. I'm done just going to church. I'm, it's going to be a holy moment for me. I'm coming to worship God. I don't sing common songs. I, I sing uh, uncommon songs that I worship my God. What happens when that happens? Well, in... The New Testament, there's this book of Acts. Again, it's a book of action. They start living this holy life out. And there's four things they show that in the Greco-Roman time, the church basically was different. There was a holiness about them. So God was holy and they became holy. Four things was this. Integrity, sympathy, chastity, and generosity. In this time, integrity was not around. You were being swindled and ripped off at every left and right. So just having integrity made people go, that's not common. 
That's an uncommon thing in our culture right now. They stood out, AKA there was a new place to live. Even though geographically you're in the same spot, there is now a new place spiritually to live. Integrity, I can, can, I, can I live in your world? I wanna be around you, you're integrous. Another thing that was happening is sympathy. This is an honor and shame culture. You dishonor me, I kill you. It's that simple, no joke. If I was a male back in those days and you dishonored me, I had the legal right to come over to your house, pop, pop, bust a couple of you know, uh, gunshots and walk away and everybody's cool with it. That's just what we do in our culture. Somebody hurts you, you kill them. In Christian time, when the church exploded, people would dishonor the Christians and they would just turn the other cheek and come back and want to reconcile and love them and say, hold on a second, I hurt you. I thought you were going to try to hurt me, but you're still trying to love me? This is not common to this culture. You are uncommon to this culture. I want to be around a person that I know I can mess up and they're not going to kill me. I want to be around somebody when I know I'm going to mess up, they're not going to shame me and destroy me and cancel me. This is uncommon to the Greco-Roman culture. I want whatever this is. Another thing was chastity. Chastity and generosity. Can I read you a quote from a theologian? The early church was strikingly different from the culture around it in this way. The pagan society was stingy with its money and promiscuous with its body. A pagan gave nobody their money and practically gave everybody their body. And the Christian came along and gave practically nobody their body and they gave practically everybody their money. Because the money was no longer for common use, it was used for kingdom use. What is in my pocket is now to be sacred and to be used to build the kingdom of God. This body is not for anybody. My, this body is for me to honor God and to please God. And I will use this body in a way that only brings God praise. So I'm going to do those four things. So what happens? Can I tell you? Uh, uh, so Tyler, I get it. We're not in Greco-Roman time. So how does that look like today? One of my favorite pastors shared this story. Pastors in New York. And uh, he was uh, talking about somebody who went to his church that was a big dog at a, a, a newspaper uh, in their city. And a young gal who had been working for them made a massive mistake. Made a massive mistake and uh, a mistake that maybe could get you fired, but definitely reprimanded and you're not going to be on the good list of getting promoted, especially if you're a brand new employee. And so she makes this mistake and nothing happens for a week and she walks into her boss and she asks him, she goes, what, what happened with uh, the mistake I made? I thought I was going to get in massive trouble. And the boss looked at her and said, no, I, I took the blame. I took the blame. I said, it was my fault and it won't happen again. And she looked at him. She goes, I've been living in New York for years. Nobody takes the blame. This is a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Bitter be bitten. Climb on top of other people to get the top. What's your motive? Why did you take the blame? This is not common to me. He goes, I just, I just wanted to. Just, it's all good. Just, I, just, I wanted to take the blame. Just let, me, just let me take the blame. She doubles, no, I want to know. Why would you do this? I, it, I just felt like I was supposed to. Please tell me, why would you do this? The boss says, okay, fine, you've asked me multiple times, I'm going to share this with you, but you're the one who asked for it. I'm a Christian, and my Savior took the blame for me. And because he took the blame for me, I always find like it's a privilege to be like my Savior. I want to take the blame for others. I just wanted to be like my Savior that day, and so I took the blame for you, and I, and I hope that blesses you. And she looked at him, and she goes, can I go to church with you tomorrow? That young gal went to that church in New York and got saved that next day. And there's just something about what I call gospel goodness. Gospel goodness is really what it means to be holy. When you look at and Jesus, when he comes, he goes, hey, there's two trees. There's, uh, and they look exactly the same. The only difference between the trees is simply this. One tree has gospel goodness. Not religion, not perfection. It just has the goodness and the fruit of God for people to enjoy. If we want to change the world, we're going to have to have that kind of holiness on this church. Can I get an amen for that? Yeah, amen. Last but not least, we're going to go on to the conquering. So we got the crossing over. 
So why you cross over, what happens you cross over. When you start to cross over and you're on this side, people go, man, I want to live over there. I hope people want to live where you live because you're living different. Third part of the, uh, the book of Joshua, the God who called me is the conquering, the conquering. So it's interesting. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, when I was single, life was a battle. I got married. Never a battle. My wife's in service. When I was single, it was a battle. When I was married, it was a battle. And we have a great marriage. We only got one fight this week. Yeah. It was a big one, though. It was, it was bigger in our marriage. It wasn't a big one. It was a weird one. We just got, we, we, neither of us was soft, right? Yeah. You're like, medium. I mean, medium, medium. Okay. I thought you were like this. Shut up. Um, <laughs> don't share our business. Um, when I was single, it was a battle. When I was married, it was a battle. When I was 20, ooh, it was a battle. And then my 20s were a battle. Guess what? My 30s have been a battle. Guess what? I'm going to my 40s this year. I'm turning 40. I have a prediction. The 40s are going to be a battle. Can I tell you real quick? The Bible says that life's not going to be a battle. It says this. Fight the good fight. So if you're going to battle, battle for things that actually you're going to take ground in and you're actually going to reap the reward in. And so there's just something about you understanding that you're going to battle. And so I, I, I preached on, you know, um, Dress for victory. So I taught, I taught you how to dress for a battle. But this is actually teaching you how to battle. And it shows you very uh, quick in uh, Joshua 6. It says this. Then the Lord said, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with his kings and his fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of rams uh, in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around seven times with the priest blowing the trumpets. They do that, the walls fall. So um, pastor in this church and believing for a building. And I'm on a Zoom call. It's about, I don't know maybe a year ago now, and there's this pastor in the Zoom call, and, uh, you know, it's one of those, like, crazy pastors, you know, like, if the Bible says to do it, they do it, that crazy, okay, and uh, so it's crazy, and uh, if it's in the Bible, he's trying it, he's like one of those guys, and so um, he's believing for a building, it's like a $20 million building, uh, and this other church, you know, there's about 50 people in, they're thinking about selling the building or, you know, doing something else with it. And he just believes that God wants to give it to them. Like they have over a thousand people, they need a home. And so he goes and walks around that church seven times. Just walks around it. He's sharing this with us. He goes, and I brought my shafar, brought a trumpet. And then I was like on Zoom, had this muted, this guy's crazy, you know. <laughs> and these days, you know, they call, you know, so walks around seven times, praying and believing, blows his shafar. Whatever it sounds like, right? <laughs> Tells us in the thing, and we're like, cool, man. Cool. How'd it go? I don't know. I'm going to walk around it again tomorrow. Have fun, man. Get those 10,000 steps. And again, I'm like, you know, I, like, I believe it. Like, you know, I'm like, and my, some, and if I'm being honest, sometimes I go like, if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. That's, that, I sometimes live in that place. I'm going to sit here, and God can do what he wants to do. But you read the book of Joshua, there's just all this action. Like, no, God goes... For me to actually do it, I want you to be a part of it. I want you to be a part of the story. So we sign on the following week, and the guy's like, you know, kind of got a big smile on his face. So like, so how's it going? He's like, well, they called us uh, yesterday. What happened? They're giving us the building. Little DM, can I borrow your shafar? <laughs> Could you mail it to 2282? Da, da, da. And then how many times did it take you to walk around that building? I, I need you to hear this real quick. The church needs to learn how to march again. Yes. Oh, we've learned how to do a lot of things. 
Oh, we're so smart now in our academics, and we, hear, we love services where we hear something theologically. You know, I really love the theological background you took today, Tyler. I love the contextual thing you showed me about what happened in 1200 BC. I just love that so much. I'm glad you loved it, but when's the last time you marched around your family and said, I'm going to battle for my kids today? When was the last time you saw your neighbor and they said, that person's weird. You're darn right. I'm uncommon. I do Is that a shafar? What's a shafar? It's basically a trumpet. Relax. I'm not that weird. You know, you walk around, you're praying around your marriage. You're walking around, praying around your kids. You're walking around, you're sitting, you're praying and praying and praying. There's just something about a church that knows how to march. I may be walking around a lot of buildings this next week. You see me walking around Neiman Marcus this next week. I'm not shopping. All right. Tyler, again, the worship team, that trumpet, it's a shafar. You see me on the weekend. I'm not trying to play the shafar so I can get money in my cash register. I'm playing the shafar because I want the building for God. I'm going to start marching this season. And if I could just be honest, the the way that you fight as a church, the world fights just so common. It's uncommon to fight that way. You ever fight for somebody's salvation? You ever just show up week after week? Hey, you want to go to church? Nope. All right. Hey, you want to go to church? Nope. All right. Hey, uh, you want to go to lunch? Yeah, we're going to church first. <laughs> nope. Uh, dang it. Dang it. Dang it. Dang it. Dang it. Hey, you a big breakfast person? I know what you're doing, Tyler. You're good. You're good. Can I just tell you real quick, in Hebrews 11, Oh, I want you to hear this real quick. In Hebrews 11, you will see this declaration. I'm almost done. In Hebrews 11, you'll see this declaration. I just want to read to you. It's talking about, by faith, Moses, by faith, Abraham, by faith, by faith. And it goes on to say, what more shall I say? I do, I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, or about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in the battle and routed foreign armies. I mean, he said, what, what, what more can I say about these people? And in the hall of heroes, in the book of Joshua, you will not find Joshua in the hall of heroes. You'll find Rahab that is in the book of Joshua. And it says that Rahab fought for her family. There's three people in the hall of heroes. I just got to read it to you real quick. It's powerful. By faith, Noah, who warned about these things, not yet seen, holy fear, built an ark to save his, everybody say, family. Family. Another one. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. There's another one. Moses' parents, hey, they fought for their kid. They did what was uncommon in the time. They did not surrender what culture said, how a kid was supposed to be surrendered to society. Parents, do not surrender your kids to culture. There is something different on your kid. Guard your kid. Protect your kid. So, so Moses' parents are in the hall of heroes because they protected their son. Not because they quenched the flames of fire. Not because they shut the mouths of the lion. But because they just guarded their kid. Can I double down on this? And by uh, faith... The walls of Jericho fell. So it talks about Jericho in there. It's a good one. But look at this one. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Rahab comes in and says, I've heard of your God. We've been melting with fear. I have one request. Can I have all the gold you guys got from Egypt? Rahab didn't ask for that. Okay, I have one request. I'm not going to turn you in. I have one request. Can I be a big dog in Israel? Can I have like one of the bigger houses? Can I be like a queen? Her one request was this. 
will you let me save my family? Can I have my family saved? When you guys come into Jericho, can you please, I want to save my family. They said, you hang a red cord down this little window, you can save your family. And I just think about that moment of her learning how to battle for her family. She said, hey, you got to stay in this house. Don't go to that house. Don't go to that house. You got to stay in this house. Ooh, it kind of sounds like a parent to a kid. Hey, you got to stay in the house. As long as I'm your parent, you better stay in the house. This house right here brings life. This house right here brings abundance. You go live in some other house, some other house that doesn't have the, the, the big God that actually is over it, not going to be good for you. And I just think about Rahab when she, she, she hung the cord that night, knowing that that night everybody else was going to perish. And they all heard about God, by the way. God gave them all a chance. You think she just like cavalierly just threw a red cord? I'm like, it should stay there. If it gets windy, it's cool. I guarantee you she, it says she tied it. She wrapped it. Checked it at nighttime. Walk, wake up in the middle of the night, use the bathroom. Cord's still hanging. Okay, cord's still hanging. Wake up in the morning. Yep, cord's still there. There's just something about somebody who cares so much about everybody who's in the house. We need a church that will battle for the people in the room and outside the room. And if I could just submit this to you, you start doing stuff like that, God says you are just as big of a hero as the ones that shut lion's mouths and also quench the flames of fire, the ones that believed God for the greatest things. You start fighting for family and start fighting for this church. Woo, watch what happens. Can I get an amen for that? I invite the worship team to come up. All done. I actually went pretty good, guys. We're exactly at 40 minutes and I have 10 more minutes of my message, so we're going good. I kid, I'm done. Last part is claiming. It's the claiming. It's the claiming. So you have the calling. Come on, you got to claim it. You got to claim it. So the calling, the crossing, the conquering, and the claiming. This is the whole book of Joshua. So now they have crossed over. Joshua 1 through 12, 31 kings have been defeated. Victory to victory. And if I could be honest, if I had people just come up today who got baptized, and I could just say, hey, tell me about your story. Age five, the enemy tried to take you out. Age nine, you were attacked. Age 14, when you were in school, you wanted to quit. But you kept going because victory after, if we could just see the list of victories you already have, sometimes you gotta reminisce about what God's done in your life, that you're still standing, you're still breathing, God's still got something in your life. So 31, 31 kings were defeated, the first 12 chapters, and now they walk in their promise, and God says, now you need to claim what I've given you. Where you walk, will be, it'll be yours. And so claiming's an interesting term, but I wanna catch it real quick. Uh, the prosperity gospel really has kind of ruined the word claiming, like name it and claim it blab it and grab it, you know. It's all this, you know, I just, go, oh, I just claim it. But really the, the, the heart of God when he's trying to show them in Joshua 13 through 24 is simply this, is the claim it is. Rachel and I have been married almost 10 years, 10 years this April. And we have a great marriage. My wife is so kind. Oh, she loves me so well. Oh, she's so good to me. But she won't share her food with me. Oh, she's the best wife but try to drink her water instead of my water. I have declared war on the table. She don't share. I'll touch her, I'll go, that's my water. Touch her, that's my food. And then I'll be like, what are you two? And she goes, no, I just, that's my water. Now, don't get me wrong, like, I don't just drink her water, I empty her cup and then she has nothing left. That's why she gets so protective. She goes, there we go, there's the whole story. I've been wounded. But then she'll try to drink my, my, my drink. I'm like, what are you doing? That's my drink. That's my food. She's like, what are you, two? I was like, I, I guess I'm two also. I guess we're both two. <laughs> so there's a wrong thing of claiming. So that would be the wrong place to claim. 
Because my wife's touching my water. You can touch water. But if I could be honest, have you ever, uh, if I could just show it to you this way, you ever anybody, have anybody steal something from you? And then you see in their hand and you're like, that's actually mine. You ever have baseball cards and have, go to your friend's house and then they have your baseball card? And you're like, you stole my card. That's mine. I, I claim my card. Give me my card back. And you got to prove it. No, that's mine. And the reality is that the Bible says that the enemy is here to steal, kill, and destroy. The first word is steal is actually a picture of a pickpocket. Literally, steal things from you. And the last part of Joshua, the, the action that you need to take is that you need to start claiming things that have been stolen from you. You may have not known it, but joy has been stolen from you from the enemy. And this next season, through your prayer time, through the way that you walk, the way that you talk, you say, I claim my kids on behalf of Jesus. You gotta prove to me that, your, that, that those kids are yours. It's called the blood of Jesus, there's my proof. That joy, it's mine. How is it your joy? I'll, I'll, pro I'll prove it to you. The blood, the cross, that's my proof, that's my receipt. This proves it's my joy. Some of you haven't claimed your house yet from the enemy. You're allowing the enemy to touch anything he wants in your life. Just like when Rachel tried to touch my food, hey, that's mine. When you see the enemy starting to take things from you, you say, no, no, that's my kid. That's my promise. That's my joy. That's my provision. That's my abundance. That's my land that you're trying to touch. Get away from me, enemy. Get out. I claim it. This next week, you're going to start taking back ground again because you're going to live a life of action. Oh, I pray that we'd be a church that claims that the Bay Area is now the enemies. Can we claim the Bay Area for the kingdom? Can you claim your home for the kingdom? Claim your marriage for the kingdom? Man, the enemy, he is sly. He will grab and touch and take whatever he wants until we say you can't do anymore. And because we have the authority of Jesus, he has to listen, he has to flee. Will you bow your heads with me? I don't know if it's your first time or second time in church, but you've never said yes to Jesus. Never said yes to heaven, no to hell, yes to salvation. If you want to say yes to Jesus today with every head bowed and eye closed, it's a very simple way we do it here. Just you raise your hand and we pray for you. That's how I got saved. It changed my life forever. So if that's you with every head bowed and eye closed, you want to confess, oh, that Jesus is Lord, He's Savior. Oh, it's a moment that you'll never forget. You're going to get saved today and get baptized maybe here next month. How's that? So with every head bowed and eye closed, you want to say, yes, Jesus, on the count of three, raise your hand and let me see it. One, two, three, raise it up right now. Let me see your hand. I see you. God bless you. Come on now. Raise it up high. Come on now with some boldness. Yes. Come on now. If you're online, you can get saved online. Why not? My, my first senior pastor got saved watching an old Billy Graham thing on TBN. Lydia said yes to the TV screen. You want to say yes to Jesus today. You want to say yes to salvation. Just type in the chat. I want to say yes to Jesus. If you want to uh, have somebody follow up, we'd love to follow up with you. Please email us. We'd love to walk with you on this journny. The person that uh, raised their hand today in service, I want you to know something. We want to walk with you. Man, don't do life alone. Tell somebody. Let them celebrate with you. Mission Church, I love you. You want to go change the world? Go live an uncommon life. Take care. I'll see you next Sunday. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.